You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 110 of the Wisdom by Wessa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Dunnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Yagela. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WESA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. Today is May 15th, which is a big day at the WESA office. Yes, today is the August exhibitor contract deadline. So members who want to exhibit have until the end of today to submit the contract for the August WESA trade show. And again, you can do that very easily on WESATradeShow.com. Just sign in and then sign up. And if you want to be included in the directory listing, you will really want to submit your contract today to be listed. And speaking of the upcoming trade show, today's guest will be joining us at the August WESA trade show, correct? Yes, it's really exciting. So for a few years, WESA has been hosting daily parties, which are themed events, including complimentary food items and drinks. But this August, we're excited to also welcome JT Rockwell to the daily party for not only a meet and greet, but also a live painting. So that's going to be super exciting. So watch out for more info on the event, which we named Brushes and Bites on Thursday, August 24th. Will the painting be available for sale? So the painting that he will be painting in August will be available for sale. And JT will actually donate a portion of that to West Trust. And then on top of that, JT also painted a special artwork for us that we will be using for the January Wessa Trade directory cover. So that's the artwork um, that all of our signs and print pieces are based on. That painting will be raffled off in January and all proceeds will also go to West Trust. Wessa is introducing an exciting new feature for the daily party at its summer show in Dallas. Guests will have an opportunity to chat with Western artist J.T. Rockwell and watch while he actually creates one of his unique pieces of colorful Western art. Painting is far from being Rockwell's only talent. He's a fifth-generation cowboy, a movie actor, and a stuntman, and a trick horse trainer. We ask him to join us on the show to chat about what he has in store for folks attending the August show and to share stories about his very interesting life. Hey, J.T. Rockwell, thank you for joining us on the Wisdom by Wessa podcast. Great to be here. You know, we know that you have a relationship with Wessa. For our listeners who are members of Wessa, they're retailers, they're manufacturers, they're brands, they go to the major Wessa shows, and you're going to have a very prominent role in the show coming up in August, and we're all very excited about that. Yeah, I'm very excited as well. We know you're going to be there. We want to talk about your artwork and what inspires you and how you come about it, but I think everybody needs to know that you're a multi-talented guy, not just a one-dimensional painter. 
and I know you've been in the movies, you're a cowboy, you're a stuntman. For our audience who really wants to know a little more about who the guy is who also creates this fabulous colored art, give us a little rundown on you, will you please? Okay, yeah. I'm an actor, trick horse trainer for the movie industry, and a stuntman. I have 14 world records as a stuntman. I also do the special effects as well and doing the pyro and such. If you've seen Con Air, all the, everything that blew up in that was my work and then robotics on like Westworld and Terminator 3 and all that. So I'm, I kind of hit both ends of the pendulum of, you know, I'm a nerd building robots one minute and, and doing my cowboy horse stuff and training horses uh, the next minute, which really worked out when I was doing the TV series Westworld and got a chance to do all of that. One minute I'm building those robots that you see there. And then the next minute they call me on set and doing some horse work or burning a wagon or blowing up something. So yeah, I've got, yeah, multi-talented. I've been doing it for 46 years, started when I was 15, 16 years old on this sci-fi movie they were doing i cut my teeth on it and ended up being a movie called star wars so where do you go from there right (laughs) (laughs) and then ended up working on a lot of other shows and then i was one of the recurring roles on the tv series called falcon crest and actually it was the stunt double for david selby and lorenzo lamas and all that and then the last season i played lorenzo's best friend on the show which wasn't too far-fetched because we're still best friends and talk and and do all that as well. But I've done over 400 films, TV shows, commercials, music videos. I did a music video that they wanted to do for Madonna and something that's never been done with horses before. So I buried two horses completely in the ground with dirt over the top of them and hadn't come up out of the ground for her music video called Future Lovers. And you can Google that and you can see the work on that. And I ended up putting two horses in the ground at 10 different spots and it looks like 30 horses coming up out of the ground. And I get called to do the, the intense stuff that nobody can do with horses. My horses have 250 tricks on them. They rear, bow, lay down, fetch, and they can actually spell their name. I'll throw blocks out there and, and they'll pull their letters out and sequence to their name or I'll say, Hey, what's three times three. And they'll look around and give me a nine, you know, so they, they are the smartest horses in the world. And I'm really blessed to be able to, train them to do all those tricks you put a number out there as you're going to background 14 world titles uh, as a stunt person yeah i'm really blessed to be able to work on both ends of the the stunt world you know because a lot of times the special effects guys will build like the car or whatever or the pyro or and then the stunt man gets in the car or gets blown up or whatever so i I wanted to do and basically pack pack my own shoots. You know, when something's going to blow up, I want to be able to set the charges and do that so I don't get blown up by some guy that wasn't paying attention. So I learned to uh, be able to push the envelope when I'm in that car and go, well, I can push it farther or crash it or jump it or be on fire longer if I do this. And so I was able to really push the envelope and some people, you know, collect cards or stamps or whatever, but I collect world records. So I started doing that and then making a name for myself in the industry. And yeah. Well, so when during this exciting career that you've developed in the entertainment world, when and where did the impetus to become a, a paint and become an artist? When did that come about? Well, 
early on in my life, I was doing a, well, my dad took me to work. He was a rancher as well as he built machinery and stuff and, and robotics. And that's where I learned to do that kind of stuff. And he brought me to work with him and sat me down and says, well, bring your artwork and, and just sit there and draw this machine that I, you know, just to keep me busy. And of course, then I was drawing it out, painting it in a whole bit. And the president of the company, which is Boise Cascade, come around and he was impressed by it. And he goes, can I buy that painting from you? And here I'm 10 years old. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I'll give you a hundred dollars for that painting. And now they have it in their corporate office. So that made me realize, wow, I'm just not, you know, this little kid that likes to paint, but I really didn't take it too serious um, until later on in, in life. I've always, you know, painted and, and drawn and stuff like that. But when I'm on the movie set, especially when I'm acting, there's a lot of time in between them setting up sequences. So, you know, I'll have my paintings set up in my trailer and I'll sit there and paint. And of course, you know, producers, directors, and whoever come by and they go, Oh my God, I love that. Can I buy that from you? And I just throw a number out there and said, yeah, if you got $10,000, $20,000, I'll sell it to you. And then they buy it. And then it just took off from there. And then a few years go by and then I, I'm up in Jackson hole at a gallery and I see these paintings and I go, you know, what would it take to get my paintings in your gallery? So, um, I talked to him and, and I had just painted a watercolor. I, now I paint in oil, but I started out in watercolor. So they said, I'd like to see something. And I just painted a picture for what was my father-in-law at the time for his mansion out there. And I brought it in and they went, Oh my God, if you can paint that in oil, I'll take seven of them. So I went home and I painted seven of them, brought them back up to Jackson hole. And four hours after I set one of the paintings up against the wall, it sold for $11,000 and then they started selling for 20,000 and 30,000. And, and now I'm having a hard time keeping up with it, but <laughs> here we go. So, and then I'm in Jackson hole, park city, whitefish, Montana, which is, you know, the Jackson hole of Montana and, um, and then in museums in California and, and, uh, now in Dallas, Texas. Well, I mean, and I saw some pictures of some, you do some, from a size, you do some pretty big pieces. Yeah, they're, um, they're six foot by four foot pieces. They're, they're big because when I started doing them, I was doing them for these big mansions, you know, log mansions in Jackson Hole, and they've got these big walls and big fireplaces, so they needed that, and, um, and of course, I, you know, I love you know, painting large and, and that I I do some smaller pieces, um, as well, but, uh, the classic Rockwell painting, um, that's what you see with the big colors and stuff like that. And the thing about those paintings that you see, these are pictures that I've taken from movies that I've worked on and a picture of me bucking a horse or, you know, like I did too, for, um, Taylor Sheraton, the producer of, of um yellowstone in 1883 and stuff like that so i painted one where tim mcgraw's you know bucking a horse and then another one of james landry you know rearing a horse and shooting at a bad guy and stuff like that so these are your horses yeah, they're, they're using yeah in the paintings there are pictures of my horses that um that i'm that i'm painting which is great and of course i own the horse he passed away but i have the horse from Dances with Wolves that Kevin Costner rode, and he was the stunt horse in that. And then, you know, of course, done numerous other movies and such with 
with my horses and and all the tricks well, that they do. Well, I don't want to dominate the whole conversation here because I've got uh, <laughs> Casey along who contributes uh, half to whatever whatever show we do. Casey, jump in here. <laughs> I was going to say I I want to talk about the fact that you're going to be painting a picture at the West Trade Show in August for everybody to watch and see. And I was going to ask if there was going to be any stage fright there, but I think you've answered that question. yeah no as far as the stage fright thing which is funny because i grew up really shy but i guess i've gotten over that you know working in the movie industry in front and behind the camera and such and then of course you know you've probably seen pictures of the way i dress i you know i'm full-on authentic cowboy i'm fifth generation cowboy out of montana so i get a lot of you know people coming up and wanting to take a picture with with me and it's like when i went to dubai to perform for the shake out there i felt like i was elvis every time i got out of the motorcade everybody was snapping pictures and just wanted to take a picture with the cowboy and all that so yeah I'm, i've kind of gotten used to that now and i'm so looking forward to meeting all the people at wessa and coming up and asking questions and taking p- pictures and then to be able to show the the process of me painting and i've realized that that's a a really cool aspect and people really enjoy watching how that painting, you know, comes, comes alive and in front of them. So I'm excited to share that with those people. And can you share with us what you will be painting? Do you have a theme that, that you're going to paint? Well, I'm going to paint one of my classic paintings, which is usually myself or an actor or somebody rearing on my horse. And then the background will be, you know, either, the mountains like the Grand Tetons or the Mission Mountains or a landscape of Texas, you know, the rolling hills and such like that. So that's probably what I'm going to go with. And then, of course, I'm doing the cover of their their catalog and all their product that they're putting out. And I did a combination of it's called uh, Four Friends Running, and it's a cowboy racing up this hill. And then there's a English rider as well racing up the hill because you know it's a combination of the western and the english and they're racing up this this hill and um it's called four four friends running or racing so it's uh really nice and colorful and i use the sunset background so it's um, they're excited about having it on all their product and all that here on this show we talk a lot obviously about fashion jewelry and clothes and so when i talk to designers i always say where do you get your inspiration you know how do you not run out of ideas that question doesn't really seem to fit here because when you talk about your paintings i mean it's like the inspiration is limitless uh, with with the with the things that you're painting whether it be just nature or horses there's there's so many different ways you could go with it does that seem to be true for you do you see that it's easy to always find inspiration for your painting. Yeah. And then I, you know, I log it through my life, you know, when I meet different people or I might be on somebody else's ranch or I might be out, you know, fly fishing or on my ranch in Montana or whatever, I get inspired and I kind of log that in my mind. And sometimes I'll take a note, you know, and put it on of course nowadays it's on a phone, but, and, and capture that moment. And then I can go back in my mind and, and and grab that moment and put it on screen and it's yeah there's um endless inspiration for what i do especially being you know fifth generation cowboy and then i'll 
think about stories or I'll be telling a story about my grandfather and, and all that. And then, you know, as well, I do uh, cowboy gear, like the bandanas and such, you know, the story about my grandfather telling me, you know, about the bandana and how it's developed and, and how the cowboys would make them. And he showed me how to make them. And of course, now I make them for the movie industry. And if you've seen Yellowstone in 1883 and, and 1923, they're wearing my bandanas in, in that show, as well as Deadwood and Westworld. And then, you know, whenever Sam Elliott's on screen, he wears my bandanas and such. And then I do the leather work as well. The, the, the cuffs and the holsters, I'm doing a series of holsters for um, Beretta firearms uh, for their antique uh, division. Um, where I'm making authentic holsters for the antique guns that the women and gentlemen that come in to buy them from their stores. I And I do technical advising in, on the authentic cowboy gear and how things, you know, are supposed to look in that period because every, every period in, in history, they have a different look sure. as far as a mm-hmm. cowboy and what they wear and, and how it's worn and and reasons for what they do. So, yeah, and living the living the cowboy life and that's what i do you know especially with my horses and then like right now i'm living in my i'm in my historic mansion in natchez mississippi looking over the mississippi and it's a 210 year old mansion and it's all made out of logs and it's just you know and of course just living in history inspires me as well and of course i've got my horses that i go out and train and I, I wanted to jump oh. in here for a second because I read the story, and I think our listeners would enjoy it, about the taking flower sacks down years ago and converting those into in, into the scars and that. Tell that story. Yeah, my grandfather told me, of course, the, the first form of recycling was the flower sacks were made in a yard of material, and it would be a beautiful, you know, paisley or calico print. And like a woman would go in and she'd buy like four sacks of flour and, you know, have it stored in, but it all be made out of the same pattern of material. And then she can go home and make a dress out of it or shirt or tablecloth or whatever. But my grandfather said when they're on the cattle drives, the cook would have that sack. And as the guys are sitting around the campfire and, you know, playing cards and they've got a pot of money there, he would throw that in that pot of money and whoever won that hand would, would get that flour sack. And then they would sit there and make their bandanas and then they would, you know, use them on the cattle drives and stuff. And there's a hundred different uses for a, a bandana. So I took that and went forward with it. And a lot of times when I'm on set, let's say I'm not in my trailer and I'm sitting, you know, behind camera at what they call video village waiting to go on. Well, I'd have my little piece of material and my thread and my needle and I'd sit there and I'd sew a bandana why I'm sitting there waiting because I'm the kind of guy that I got to be doing something. I can't be just sitting there. So, and of course, as soon as I get one made, you know, somebody wants to buy it. So then I sell it. And then of course wardrobe would look at that. And it's funny because, you know, you got these wardrobe departments and they got 15, 20 seamstresses there that are making these big ball gowns, but they come and they buy my bandanas because they're authentic. And then I tie the buckaroo knot in them and, you know, so they want it authentic and the material that I get is authentic. Some of the material that I have is pre-Civil War or Civil War patterns and stuff like that. So 
That was an interesting story. I, I watched you tell that story, something when I was going through doing background uh, for the show, and I just thought it was a, uh, a really kind of a great human interest story. But I think everybody who's going to be going to the show in August is going to want to book some time on their schedule to come by. Uh, and Casey asked a question, and I'm kind of a neophyte, so I'll ask it a little way. When you actually, I know you're saying you have an idea of what this painting is going to be, but do you ever make adjustments or change things in the process of doing the painting after you take a look at it and say, this really needs to be here, or I need to change this? Uh, and my other question is, where did you get the love of the bright colors? Because I saw so many of the paintings that are really bright colors, and I'd like to talk about that if you would. Okay. Well, the first the first question, you know, do I ever change in midstream, let's say? Yeah, I've done that. And actually, one of the paintings that I first did for the gallery in Jackson Hole, I had this background and it was kind of rolling hills, East Texas, you know, the rolling hills and all that kind of stuff, Fredericksburg kind of look. And then when I sent them the picture, they went, well, what everybody loves here in Jackson Hole is the Grand Tetons. So then I went back and went, oh, so I painted in the Grand Tetons. Uh, to fit that area um, in in Jackson Hole because they wanted some, you know they want something that looks like Jackson Hole so I I would do that and then there's times when I'll be painting something and and I'll get inspired and you know a different direction I'll go oh what if I put that in there and then it just changed the, the whole story of the um, the painting and what's funny is uh, George Lucas of the Star Wars fame. Um, he's a big fan of my cousin port um norman rockwell the the painter and he's got the biggest collection private collection of his paintings and stuff and and he he said that here norman rockwell can paint a picture and tell a whole story with one picture and everybody thinks that him as you know george lucas is a great storyteller, but he goes, I got to put millions of pictures together to tell a story. And here's Norman Rockwell telling the whole story in one painting. So who's the, who's the master here? So I thought that was a cute story that, that George Lucas told me. Yeah. And then the other question was the bright colors. One of the crazy things that happened is when I was asked to do those oil paintings, I thought, well, I haven't oil painted in a while. So I just took this big canvas and I started just like throwing the colors to it and just having fun and stretching my, my muscles. And I was just about to paint over that picture and do another picture over it because, you know, at the time I thought I wasn't really impressed with it. You know, I didn't think it was, you know, my style. And I thought, well, I'll just bring it anyways. And that's the one that sat up against the wall and sold within four hours. And then the gallery said, Oh my God, that's a masterpiece. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Okay. <laughs> and then I took, I took a closer look at it and everybody that sees my classic paintings, they're just, you know, overwhelmed and, and, you know, it just takes their breath away. And I went, Oh, okay. That's what, that's what they're looking for. And that's, and so now I, now I'm just really bold with the colors and just, I really want it to pop off the, the, the screen. And, um, it's just a, 
it's just really become my classic and what people want. For the people who are going to come and watch you, do you mind if they ask you questions or chit-chat with you? Or what's the, the environment that you like when you're doing the painting? Because somebody may want to ask a question and not know if they could or should, but you're going to be there with lots of Wessa people coming to the show. I'm, I'm sure they want to do what's appropriate. You sound like a guy who's pretty easy to talk to, but I thought I'd ask the question. No, I love it when people come up and they ask, and I love to to give back. I mean, I've, I've done that so much, and I've helped people, you know, come into the industry and, and give them a leg up to, um, you know, whether it's a young guy that wants to be a stuntman or horse trainer or whatever and give back. And then I love to inspire people, um, especially kids and of course kids of all ages, you know, and asking questions. And then what that does is it just fuels the fire inside of me to, to do even more and, and, and better. And I do a lot of speaking engagements, you know, I go into schools and stuff and, and try to inspire children uh, to give a reason why they need to stay in school. Because in my situation, I'll go in and I'll show them videotapes of, of course, now it's DVDs or whatever, but, um, of the stuff that I've done where I'm crashing a car on fire or, you know, rolling, rolling a wagon or falling off a horse or, you know, doing all that, you know, here I get paid huge amounts of money to play for a living because when I was in school, I studied hard and I, you know, and I had, you know, I have dyslexia, you know, and I, it was hard for me to, to learn and do, especially in the day they didn't know what it was. So if I can inspire, you know, a young mind to, go forward and go after their, their dream. And, you know, not everybody is cut out to go to college and do that route. You know, there, there is artists out there that, that aren't good at school and all that, but there's another outlet that they can get into and do what I do. I mean, I grabbed onto that and went forward and I've made a, a massive amount of money doing what I do and playing at work but you know, it's hard work and you set a goal and you go after it. And, and the thing about the paintings as well, which I've tried to teach inspiring artists is, you know, you have that in mind that, you know, don't underestimate yourself. You know, when I paint a picture, I paint a picture that, you know, in my heart and soul is not that I put a price on it, but it's going to be a $30,000 painting. I don't go, well, I hope I sell this thing. No, it's, it's that goal and that set in mind. And that's, that's where I, I put it. And that's the price tag I put on it. When I first started doing it, they're like, how do you, how do you think you can demand that amount of money for a painting? And, and, you know, in the beginning I didn't have a name and this and that. And I'm like, because it's worth that much. And they're like, I don't know if, and then boom, four hours, it brings the, brings that price because you know, I, I don't undersell myself. That painting that you produce is going to be sold and Wessa will benefit again because a portion of what I say, I understand it, a portion of what the painting sells for will go to the Wessa Trust, which means that there's a lot of benefit coming out of and enjoyment coming out of because you love to do it and doing the painting at Wessa. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then now I'm in the position where I can, you know, give back and give to these charities. And, you know, we're doing another charity event for the 
cattle baron's ball and, you know, I'm donating a $30,000 painting for that deal as well as the packages. I'm going to go to the person's house that have bought the painting and they're going to do an unveiling and then we'll have a huge dinner. I'll do an appearance and all that because that's a lot of what I do as well. People don't only love what my, my paintings, but they love the whole lifestyle and be able to talk and and you know, hear my stories and where I came from and and what I've done with my life because it 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 has been a very exciting journey, and I love to share it with these people. And if they want to come up as I'm painting, go ahead and talk all you want, and and, um, and I'll answer your questions because I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be great, Casey. What else you got? <laughs> well, I just I think on behalf of uh, Wessa. It's we're very fortunate to have your beautiful work and to be a part of our August show and um, going to be on the cover of our January program. And it was really a great interview today. And we really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much. And, and um, feel free to, you know, if you want to come back and do a second interview or if you have other, other questions that you might think later, I'm here for you. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. We appreciate your time. All right. Thank you very much. The show notes and links from today's show can be found at the wisdombywessa.com website. And as always, if you have feedback, we'd love to hear it. There's a contact link on the site. The Wisdom by Wessa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can also listen on wisdombywessa.com. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Wessa, where the industry meets.